you are listening to the transforming india podcast jointly brought to you by the deepak and neeraj center on indian economic policies at columbia university and the times of india i am arvind panagaria director of the raj center and professor of economics at columbia my co-host on this podcast is professor praveen krishna he is a professor of international economics and business at johns hopkins university welcome praveen hello arvind i'm really delighted to be co-hosting this podcast with you as we discuss the challenges facing the indian economy and the reforms that need to be implemented wonderful praveen delighted to have you here in this podcast we'll talk about how past policies have shaped india and which policy reforms will launch india on a high growth trajectory this is really a very exciting time for us to be launching this podcast arvind uh, india has just completed its 17th lok sabha elections and prime minister narendra modi has returned with full majority for the bharatiya janata party or the bjp and nearly two thirds majority for the national democratic alliance the coalition that he leads and with such a clear mandate prime minister modi is likely to be in a strong position to implement a bold policy agenda and as you know praveen the prime minister has said as much uh, in the interviews he had given during the election campaign so i'm truly hoping that he would hit the ground running i think we can think in terms of reforms that can be implemented in the first 100 days and reforms that will take longer reforms that would require structural change these type of reforms uh, would be a five year agenda and that we would come to perhaps later but the reason i think that 100 day reform agenda is extremely important is that it sends a very powerful signal that the prime minister means business he intends to bring about big big changes and before we turn to the specific reforms let's outline for our listeners the main challenge facing india to my mind the central economic challenge is job creation approximately half of our labor force is currently engaged in agriculture and yet it generates only 15% of output and no modern economy employs such a large share of its labor force in agriculture on the other side the share of manufacturing and gdp in employment has been low and stagnant for many decades so india's transformation through the expansion of high productivity manufacturing and service sector jobs so that workers can actually leave agriculture and go to these other sectors is going to be very necessary but this is a topic for the longer term as you've indicated discussed in future episodes let's talk now about issues that the government can tackle in the short run specifically the first 100 days so arvind what would be at the top of your list on my list of 100 day reforms i would put two very important items provision privatization and accelerated clearing of non performing assets or npas as we call them what about you what uh, would be on your list of 100 day reforms provision on my mind uh, i had international trade policy as well as a whole range of other tax reforms well uh, since uh, you and i both actually are trade economists uh, perhaps we can begin this conversation in detail on trade policy what uh, changes in particular did you have in mind for the first 100 days in this area of trade policy right so india has massively liberalized its trade regime since 1991 and enjoyed the benefits of that trade liberalization in the last few decades however in the last couple of years there's been a rollback of this policy with an increase in import tariffs on a number of goods 
This type of an import substitution policy has been tried before, as you know, from the years since independence up to the early 1990s, and it did great damage uh, to the Indian economy. The tariff increases of the last couple of years have also attracted the attention of our trading partners. They've been criticized by our trading partners. They've been noticed by U.S. President Donald Trump. And it's beginning to appear that after China, he might start to see India as the next potential target for a trade war. So with all of these things in mind, I think it's important that we roll back these tariff increases as quickly as possible, uh, hopefully in the first 100 days. I think that's an excellent idea. Indeed, I would actually like to go a step further that as we proceed with the reforms, maybe after 100 days, we ought to unify all tariff rates to about 7%. This will rationalize our tariff structure and enhance the efficiency. Why 7%? Did you have in mind maybe that this has something to do with keeping revenues neutral as a result of the tariff changes? You are absolutely right, actually. I didn't pick the 7% figure just out of thin air. I was concerned that there will be issues in the revenue department with tariff revenue. And so we ought to choose the rate such that we are assured that the tariff revenue would not decline. And 7% rate is a pretty safe one. It will enhance but not lower the tariff revenue. That sounds great. And so on international trade more generally, there's one other issue I wanted to mention, which is that India faces a number of challenges on the external front. It's currently negotiating several trade agreements, as you know, including the RCEP, which is the potential agreement between India and a number of Asian trading partners, and also a free trade agreement with the European Union. And unfortunately, none of these have been proceeding quickly. There hasn't been as much progress on these negotiations. So that's one thing also have a number of negotiating challenges at the World Trade Organization in Geneva on the multilateral front. And so with this in mind, I wondered, you've spent time in government, in fact, in the Modi government for the first few years. Is there any possible institutional change or reform that you would suggest that would help sort of India strengthen itself in terms of getting organized for these negotiations, trading partners in the rest of the world? It's a good question and a question about which I did worry when I was at the Niti Aayog. I found during those years that the commerce ministry in India tends to be very bureaucratic, especially when it comes to negotiations, they take very inflexible positions. Negotiation is all about give and take. My take is that a possible solution to this issue will be to create a separate trade negotiating office and place it in the prime minister's office. So this would be something like the USTR in, in the United States? Yes, exactly. You know, that is the model I had in mind. And as you know, that the United States Trade Representative's office uh, is in the White House. So moving on then, Arvind, you had privatization at the top of your list. What do you think is feasible there in the short run? Well, it turns out that there is good news on this front. The government last year or last two years had tried to sell Air India. The sale did not materialize because the buyer did not come forward. I've seen news reports that this particular privatization is back on the government's agenda and government is proceeding. So that certainly is one case which can be pushed forward rapidly. Because Air India was a very well-publicized case, are there any other good candidates for privatization, you think? Well, here again, we got some good news. The Niti Aayog had recommended uh, several public sector units uh, for privatization to the government. A lot of this happened while I was at the Niti Aayog myself. And the cabinet actually has approved by now about two dozen PSUs for privatization. So these are units that can, in principle, be privatized.
Two dozen units seems, seems quite impressive, actually. So what sectors of the economy do these represent? Well, they come from a diverse set of sectors. There is pharmaceuticals, there is electronics, there is construction, there is civil aviation. In fact, you know, other than Air India, we also have power hunts from civil aviation, which is for sale. Certainly, uh, they come from a large number of different sectors. That seems like a very ambitious set of privatizations to undertake. I mean, how do you see the feasibility of this to actually undertake these privatizations within the first 100 days or in the short run? So maybe not all two dozen units can be privatized in the first 100 days, but certainly a large number of them can be. What makes the process reasonably rapid in some of the cases is that many of these PSUs are listed and the government's stake currently, the ownership share of the government, is sometimes 60%, sometimes 55%, sometimes 65%. So anything between 10 to 15% sale of the government shares can actually lead to a transfer of ownership and result in an independent autonomous board running these enterprises. Oh, so it seems a little less challenging than it might initially appear because yes. the fraction of the companies that has to be sold is, is not the full 100%, but just a 10 or 15% share sale would be sufficient to kind of privatize it in effect. Exactly, exactly. Coming back to your list of priorities, Praveen, you had mentioned tax reform. What in particular do we have in mind here? Well, I had in mind the goods and services tax, or the GST as it's commonly known. The GST has multiple tax labs, on top of which there are many additional surcharges. So it kind of remains a very complicated system. It's an unduly complicated system. Uh, for businesses that have to comply with this tax regime, for the government that has to collect all these different taxes and also rebate back uh, the input taxes. So I hope that in this budget the government can announce the simplification of the GST to just maybe two rates. That seems like a very good idea. It is something that has been talked about. Finance Minister Mr. Jaitley had also talked about it. So this is a reform that could possibly happen. While we are on the issue of taxes, uh, let me put on the table another tax which could be further simplified, and this is the corporate profit tax. In one of the budgets earlier, a commitment had been made by the government to bring the corporate profit tax rate to 25%. I think that reform should now be completed. All the exemptions ought to be removed, and no surcharges ought to be there either. So we go clean and clear with a tax rate of 25%. Uh, and in the future, we could then try to benchmark this rate against the best practices around the globe. Yes, that would be a really nice reform to have, and I imagine it would do quite a bit to boost private investment and private sector activity, which is going to be crucial for uh, kind of launching India on a higher growth trajectory. Talking about private investment, Ravine, one important barrier to the growth of private investment is also access to credit. And access to credit itself is hampered currently by uh, the existence of a very large volume of non-performing assets. So the government needs to address this problem of non-performing assets. Uh, some cleaning up has been happening under the insolvency and bankruptcy code, but this needs to be speeded up. And there are a number of bottlenecks that currently exist in the process, these need to be removed. In addition, the government also needs to infuse some capital into the public sector banks to restore credit growth to its former levels. 
That seems really important, but I wondered, I mean, doesn't that just fix the problem of previously accumulated NPAs? As we know, in the Indian system, there's a problem of kind of recurrence of NPA accumulation. So could the government not empower the RBI to change its current framework to kind of automatically recognize and address defaults as they occur? The government ought to do that, except that this will require some sort of amendment of the Banking Regulation Act. And this is something, you know, with the budget, it is a finance matter, and in principle, I, I suspect that the government could take it up uh, uh, with the budget when it presents the final budget for 1920. To sum up then, our wish list for the first 100 days of the Modi government includes first, privatization, second, tax reforms, including GST and corporate taxes, third, trade reforms, and finally, cleaning up of the NPAs, possibly with reforms of the Banking Regulation Act. I think we can be optimistic that given its strong mandate, the government will undertake big ticket reforms. In future episodes, we return to the longer term structural issues facing the Indian economy. We really look forward to engaging with our listeners on issues relating to the Indian economy. Until next time then, this is Praveen Krishna. And this is Arvind Panagaria on the Transforming India podcast, produced by Atisha Kumar, a research scholar at Columbia University, and edited by Rebecca McGilvery from Insight at Columbia. Thank you for listening.